104.7 The Cave. KKLH, Marshfield, Springfield. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs radio network. Touchdown, Kansas City! Now, it's time for Ned Talk. We are in the studio on the last day of February. Ned, my first question for you is February seemed like the longest month of the year, even though it's the shortest. It's been the most dismal month, I'll tell you that. With yeah, you're not a fan of the snow either, are you? Nor the cold. Yeah, yeah. And we had the the fullest extent of it in this month, so get it out of here. Ready for spring right now, today. We're joined by Stormy Davis. Stormy, how are you today? I'm doing good. We did a little recap of the Super Bowl. We'll get uh, Stormy's thoughts on that a little bit later on in the show. Let's start out with the uh, biggest news story of the week, obviously, Tiger Woods. I mean, it, it transcends just sports because it went all over all the news networks right away. And, uh, Ned, I wanted to get your thoughts. Well, of course it would because Tiger Woods is one of the most renowned and known individuals around the world, not just in this country. And probably the... Most iconic of golfers in the current genre. Now, that's not to say that he has, is the only one ever, like the greatest of all time. No, there's Nicholas and there's Palmer and there's Player and people of this caliber. But Woods for the current generation has to be. And then to have him involved in such a horrific accident as he was earlier this week and then to leave him compromised like this, well, that, that certainly is deserving of the news coverage that it got. I'm reading an interesting story today and speculation that hit me almost immediately when that accident occurred, and that is that there were no skid marks. Well, no skid marks tells you one thing in particular, that number one, his attention was not there, or number two, probably the fact that he was asleep. I think he fell asleep behind the wheel. This is, this is a guess. No, nobody's, well, he's the only one who'd ever know it. But there's another factor involved, too. And that is the fact that he had multiple compound fractures. If the accident occurred and he'd been unconscious or, or whatever the circumstances, he might have had some fractures, but they would not have been compound. What makes him compound is he obviously awoke, applied the brakes, tensed his leg, and then when the concussion of the accident took place, that's when the brakes occurred. That uh, The brakes in the bone, that is. Mm -hmm. And I have to think that probably he was for whatever reason, had fallen asleep. I don't think he was speeding or exceeding the speed limit by a tremendous amount. He may have been going maybe five miles over or whatever the case might have been. But in terms of the fact that he wasn't paying attention, I think is probably what's happened. But that doesn't that, – that, that, who cares? Yeah. The man has been injured, his career, who knows? Uh, he's a fighter. He's an individual who's been through a tremendous amount. Heck, he won the U.S. Open on a bad knee, for heaven's sake. The guy can do a lot. Of course, when he won that, too, he was also 10 years younger than he is now. He's 45, going on 46 years old, I believe. And he'll have, in all honesty, he'll have a tough time recovering, maybe not walking, but he'll have a difficult time getting back into the swing of golf because, after all, there is a rule that's only been mitigated once, and that was Casey Martin. Casey Martin, you might remember the Stanford University kid, had a yep. circulatory situation and they let him ride. I, I, I don't know whether they'd make any amends for, for Woods or not in a circumstance like that. So assuming that he has to walk that course in, in some of the big events, this is even if he can come back, yeah. it's going to be difficult. When I uh, saw the news events, when I saw the news stories and they showed the pictures of the crash, first of all, 
he was lucky to walk away from that. It was a bad accident. Yeah. What would you think, yeah. Stormy? Uh, I think Ned's analysis of it is right on the money from everything I read. Uh, it seems like uh, that's best explanation is it fell asleep. I'm hoping there was nothing else involved, but there, there um, wouldn't have been. They would have found it now in the in the blood oh, yeah. samples. I and I'm assuming they've been taken and analyzed. Oh, I, yeah, but that's that's pretty much exactly what I went through when I read the thing, and yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I, and I of course wish him the best. He's a tremendous asset to the sports community, this this generation, and and to golf as a whole right now. You know, so I hope he makes it back and. Uh, well, that's, it'll be tough to get through, but uh, like Ned said, he's a fighter, and I think he's got the ability to. So, We had an off-air discussion last Sunday because uh, one of the things we – I think one of the big topics that comes up with sports guys is GOAT, greatest of all time, and how do you measure that? What's your, what's your benchmark? For each person, that's different, and it's subjective, and then there's era, and there's so many things that are involved, but that's what makes it such an interesting conversation to have and what my bench, my personal benchmark is, did that athlete change whatever sport that he was involved in? And so Tiger Woods definitely fits that category. He's not one as much as Jack Nicklaus, who that, that was obviously his career goal, but he's got to be on that Mount Rushmore of golfers, Ned, don't you I think? I would not challenge that at all. I am going to challenge only one thing that you said. And your, your point, your definition is very well taken. I'm not a believer in goats. Yeah. I just don't think there is such a thing because every athlete is great for the era in which he or she played. And each has a different contribution to that sport. Now, there is one, there's one I make an exception for, and that's George Herman Ruth, who changed baseball. He went from small ball, and he did it himself. He and Ty Cobb, you know, they played opposite each other. Ty Cobb couldn't stand him. Because Ty Cobb was a baseball guy, and Babe Ruth was a long ball hitter, and that's what gained him his greatest acclaim, 714 career home runs. He, in fact, did transcend the game and, and change it in many respects. Another is Wilt Chamberlain, yep. because he mm-hmm. changed basketball the way it was played and forced changes in the rules, for heaven's sake. Mm-hmm. So those guys, yes, they could be classified maybe as goats, Woods is certainly among the greatest ever. You have to say that he changed the way uh, golf courses have been set up mm-hmm. and the way that people, th- and you see this whole generation of guys that are bombers. I mean, they come out and they drive it, and you've seen courses that, that the, the phrase tiger-proof <laughs> used to be used quite a bit. And uh, a guy, obviously, he's cha- he changed the, the game of golf. He also brought it into the zeitgeist for a, a uh, a lot more Americans than were previously interested in golf before. Well, the TV networks have shown that. They want Tiger Woods to play because mm-hmm. their ratings are infinitesimally higher. And by the, the infinitesimal, I'm talking about percentages of people who wouldn't be watching. Well, they're, they're way up when Tiger Woods competes in a tournament. I'm one of them. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. not a, a huge golf fan. I don't play the game. I watch some of the big tournaments and so forth and so on, but I would watch, would watch when Tiger Woods is playing just to see how this guy, especially in the later years, how he's able to come on. I've made the comment many times with Mike Holmes on this air and on some of the others that he's he's on the downward side of his yeah, career yeah. and was, and did he merit the level of, of uh, media coverage that he was getting? Well, yeah, in some respects he did, but by the same token... 
he's not among the contenders on a regular basis anymore. So I, I argued that point. However, from a personality standpoint and from a contribution standpoint and what he has done, oh, yes. He is certainly meritorious of any kind of any kind of accolades that are forthcoming. I did want to bring this up to the uh, first pitches of Major League Baseball's spring training have been thrown. <laughs> Cardinals are playing. Thank the, you. Thank you. The yes. Cardinals are oh, playing the, the Nats right now. Stormy, were you a guy that tuned in and watched Tiger Woods golf whenever he was uh, in his prime? I, I would tune in for the highlights, not necessarily to watch the full matches. I've just never been into golf enough for that. But Ned hit the nail perfectly on two different sides about eras and about you do have a very select group of people per sport who have stepped in and changed it. And you had, you know, like you said, the Babe Ruth in baseball, Wilt Chamberlain in basketball, Tiger Woods in golf, Lawrence Taylor in football. I mean, uh, and Tiger is definitely on a Mount Rushmore like that and definitely within the brains of golf, I would put him on mine for sure. But, uh, yeah, I'd tune in more often whenever Tiger was playing just to hear the highlights and how he was doing and what the – standings were uh and it's been probably down there pecked and Payne stewart was playing when i really paid that much attention to golf <laughs> you're listening to ned talk on 104.7 the cave your local live sports talk show we'll be taking your questions here in a few minutes we'll have you do that over the commercial break the number is uh 417-863-7104 i always i forget it i say it all the time but i forget it um tiger woods has been a guy too that throughout his career has been seen his fair share of controversy. I mean, he's, he had the incident with his wife, his ex-wife, where she threw the clubs and uh, where he came home and then and he's a little unraveling there of his personal life because he was a guy that was kind of quiet. You just looked at everything, I think, up until a couple of events that happened in his life. And, and another event uh, that my wife actually brought up was talking about the, uh, the you know, the weird... DWI incident that he was involved in. I will tell you a personal, the personal thought I have, and it's one that I've not just Woods, but with anybody who has achieved great fame in whatever circumstance, the most destructive agent of all in this world is EGO. And when you let that take control of your life, and all of us are guilty in some respects. But when you let your ego take over everything that you do and your thought processes, as obviously the man did at one time, I don't think he does so much anymore, and he certainly won't from this point on, you are on a path to destruction every time. It happened with his, you know, his lack of faithfulness to his wife, alleged lack of faithfulness to his wife, then his apparent dependency on drugs, his dependency on alcohol and things of that nature. He let himself get carried away. Was it a learning experience? Tiger Woods is no dumbbell. No. He went to Stanford University. He yeah. was an All-America out there, also an NCAA champion. That says it all right there. But individuals are such that they can get carried away. And it's not just, not just him. It's anybody. And you've seen him. We've been around them. We're, <laughs> we're in the business of them, for heaven's sake. Yeah. And when that happens... When an individual gets so carried away with him or herself that they cannot understand a focal point in life, then you have mm-hmm. reached failure. I think one of the great things about Tiger Woods is that he's been able to kind of constantly turn the page and move on from those events and reinvent himself. And he's 
kind of a guy that you, you know, at times you've rooted for and at times you've rooted against. And I think most recently him playing golf with his son, Charlie, is a moment that uh, <laughs> people are going to look back on. And, and it reminds you of him and his dad when his dad, you know, his dad drove home that Tiger Woods was going to be a great golfer from the moment that he was a child. He spent all the time that he, all his spare time with the club in his hand. I remember when he was on, and I think it was Tonight Show, if I remember correctly, with Johnny yeah. Carson. Mm-hmm. And uh, Papa had the boy out there and the kid, this is this is a small tiger swinging that golf club around. And he was obviously a child prodigy, athletically. Well, again, and uh, bring up the point again, yes, you can appreciate that in a kid or an adult, but you also have to understand there's another facet of life and you had better follow that direction. Yeah. Stormy, your thoughts on Tiger Woods and his troubles and his reinvention? Well, two things always tend to go with people who get that sort of fame is that, number one, there are more of the distractions and more of the temptations there. Uh, the bigger the fame you get, the more people want to be around you, whether they be good or bad or some other way. And then also the microscope gets a lot bigger the more famous you are. You have more cameras, more microphones pointed your way. So if something comes up and something happens, no matter how big or how small, the media decides how much they want to cover it or how much they want to blow it out of proportion. So, uh, you know, that we've we've heard celebrities that have gone through scandals and the media keeps regurgitating it over and over and over. Luckily for Tiger, though, when he's had his incidents, like you said, he's been able to reinvent himself and the media has let him move on and they don't keep bringing it back up so i think that's one of the benefits that he's kind of had on there well he also there's another factor and we're not going to we're not going to discuss this at any great length but he is unique he is unique from an ethnicity standpoint and that also made a very big difference with him right there well i it's something you almost have to talk about because golf is is very much traditionally a a white sport Mm -hmm. and tiger woods came into it and he brought a whole new audience of people into the sport and got people interested into the sport, not just African-American people or any other ethnicity, but younger people because, you know, for a long time, golf was old guys, old white guys chasing the ball around a golf course, and it wasn't very exciting. And then he's been, he's the father of this younger generation of golfers who are a little bit different. i tell you a personal story that did happen. This is about... I'm going to guess about 15, 20 years ago, I was emceeing a celebrity golf tournament down in Branson. And uh, it was in, I want to say, late August or early September. It was a big tournament, so it may have been the PGA National, which would have been in August. I, I can't remember, but <laughs> we're in the clubhouse, and I'm getting ready to introduce the celebrities, one of whom was the leg- uh, the late but legendary Charlie Pride. Mm-hmm. And great guy, great guy. I mean, had... Wonderful conversation, easy to meet, and all that sort of thing. Well, it's, it comes his time to go out on the golf course, and he holds up his hand to me and says, I, I'm not coming yet. I'm not coming. I said, is there, is there a problem? He says, yeah, I'm watching Tiger Woods. I want to watch this. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that did happen, guys. That's a true story. <laughs> that's, uh, I, I think that speaks a lot to an athlete and how he's – how he's changed sports and what he's done for sports. We're going to have a roundtable discussion a little bit later on in the show. Our topic today is we're going to talk about athletes who've had their career or even their life cut short by accident and things that they did outside of the sport. So we'll talk about that a little bit later on. We'd like to hear from you. 
you got to call 863-7104. We'd love to hear from you. More Ned Talk on the way next. Nice. Cardinals are on our sister station, the Bull. You can tune over and listen to that game right after you get done with us. Wait till you're done with us, okay? That's all I have to ask. Deb Reynolds, Stormy Davis, Joe Weston. We're talking sports, and uh, it's not the time of year we usually talk about football, but we're going to talk about football because there's some spring football happening right here in our our part of the country. It is historic, no question about that. This This old reporter is hopeful that it's only one year. And because spring football does not fit into the to the uh, circumstances that we're accustomed to, to the genre and so forth and so on. But it is what it is for this year. It's for one AA or FCS teams and Division II because many of them, if not all, canceled out. Anyway, Missouri State got a win yesterday. They go on the road to Macomb, Illinois, and defeated Western Illinois University 30-24. to That's the good news for Bobby Petrino, his first win as a Missouri State Bear. And, you know, I looked at their schedule for the fall, and I can't remember if Western Illinois is on there. I think they are, but be that as it may, the Bears beat Western Illinois. Uh, it's good news that they won. The not-so-good news is that Western Illinois is the virtual unanimous choice for last place in the conference. <laughs> the Bears had a 14 to nothing lead on that team and let it get away. They let it get away with turnovers, and Coach Petrino told me on a recent interview, he said that's the one thing we – we being the Bears, have to guard against his turnovers. Well, had three of them, three in a row in the second period, and Western Illinois came from a 14 nothing deficit to a 17-14 lead that was later on tied by the Bears at 17-all. Well, it went back and forth from there on in. Bears showing some very good offense, some key defensive plays, and held on to win at 30-24, to but they had to come from behind twice to do that to a team that is not – tremendously highly regarded in the Missouri Valley Conference. The good things, Jaden Johnson, the freshman quarterback, the red shirt uh, from uh, Southern Mississippi University, and a recruit by Coach Petrino at Louisville, uh, did show some good signs. He passed for uh, almost 300 yards, and his passing average was pretty good. The running attack was good, some good defensive plays by the Bears, but also those turnovers. You've got to watch out for them. In fact, one of... Western Illinois' touchdowns was a fumble that was picked up by a defensive guy who went 70 yards for a score. You just can't have that sort of thing. So how good are the Bears? Hard to say. Very hard to say. They probably are better than what they were last fall when they lost three games, two of them to Central Arkansas and one to Oklahoma. You knew you were going to lose to Oklahoma. That's a given. But the Central Arkansas ones, the Bears had chances to win both those games and did not do it. Maybe they have turned that corner. We're going to find out, I think, this coming Saturday. The Bears play their first home game. It's, uh, I believe, a 1 o'clock start, if I'm not mistaken, at the Plaster Sports Complex. And in town is the eight-time reigning national champions of 1AA football, the North Dakota State Bison. The big green from Fargo, North Dakota. And they look like the Green Bay Packers. That's exactly how they dress. Yesterday, they did not play like the Green Bay Packers. North Dakota State lost for the first time in 39 consecutive games. 39 straight wins wow. is what they had had. Now, where does that fall into the, the uh, scheme of major winning streaks? Well, the all-time record is 47. 
and they came within a whisker of beating that one. The 47s held by the Oklahoma Sooners back in the 1950s, Bud Wilkinson's team of, oh gosh, Tommy McDonald and Clendon Thomas and some great stars on those teams. Notre Dame ended their streak. Well, Southern Illinois ended North Dakota State streak and did it decisively, not wow. on a fluke, 38-14. to 14. Now that North Dakota State team plays here on Saturday, this coming Saturday, this, I think, is going to be a barometer of how good Missouri State is and whether or not they fit into that scheme because this will be a beatable championship team that's coming in here. I can't recall the last, if I've ever heard of a Missouri State quarterback throwing for 300 yards in a game. That may be more than all combined two seasons ago with Missouri State quarterback. <laughs> a couple of things that come to mind that I wanted to talk to you about, Ned, is uh, first of all, we both are big believers in the rhythm of sports. Do you mm-hmm. think playing in the spring has maybe screwed with some rhythms for some players? I mean, talking about North 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 Dakota State and no, some of the other teams. The biggest the biggest factor there is their all American quarterback, kid named Trey Lance. Trey Lance left school in December to declare for the National Football League draft, and he will be a first-round draft choice. The fact they don't have their starting quarterback, and, you know, you don't just go out in the the cornfield and pick out a starting quarterback. They've got to be nurtured. They don't have Lance, and that makes a very big difference with their offense. It has compromised it. Traditionally, North Dakota State's been a really rock-hard defensive team. And they gave up 38 points to Southern Illinois, which wasn't supposed to be all that good. Again, this is all uncharted territory playing in the spring. Has it fooled with the rhythm? That, Joe, that's hard to say. And that's an intangible that you don't know. I kind of doubt it because these guys have been in conditioning programs right through the winter. And sure, it's a, it's a different time of the year. But the fact is that you get your, your, your mentality changed. Your body scheme changed, and when you have a pretty good coach to direct the program, that shouldn't change it. Now, where it might change it is when they come back to play in the fall because there's not a whole lot of rest period there. You have uh, really moved to my next question very quickly. I mean, do you think that that teams are looking at this as almost a a preseason? Well, they can't because there is a national championship out of this, and that national championship is in May, and it's down in Frisco, Texas. So you can't judge it by by being a preseason as such. Are other teams going to look at it that way? (laughs) Well, maybe that's what North Dakota State, hey, forget about it, guys. We'll just go ahead and win it in the fall. But there's a championship game. And they're going to have separate champions. So, no, I don't think it can be regarded in that category. We still have got our uh, our tickets from Kyle Moats yet. I've been looking for those every day, and they haven't shown up at the uh, front counter for us yet. These are the football tickets? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, they haven't shown up yet. We've been talking about it, but they, uh, you know, I thought, they, see, he's an avid listener. <laughs> I know that he's he's riveted to the radio right now. Stormy, did you get a chance to uh, take in any of the game or read about it? or your No, I just, I just saw it today where the score came in, and, uh, you know, glad to see them get the win, especially for the kids on the team. Uh, that should be a good motivational booster for them and the time they've had off and the training they've done. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how both teams react next weekend. Uh, one team that's not necessarily used to the wins uh, coming in off of a win, and then a team that's not used to losses coming in off of a loss. I can tell you as a former coach and a GM that sometimes that motivates the other team that lost last week to play two, three times harder this week. And so it could be it could be a bulldozer that comes through for all we know. But 
Uh, it's just spring ball is just something very new in the collegiate effort, and I don't know how everybody's going to handle it. Usually this time of year we're talking about Missouri State Bears basketball. And, uh, Ned, bring us up to date as we head towards the tournament. What uh, What's our prospects here? For the in, Bears? in baseball? No, for the uh, Bears basketball team. Ba- basketball. Well, they already know who they'll be playing in the first round of the Missouri Valley Tournament, which is next Friday. And uh, the Bears will play in the 8 o'clock game. Things have been changed from a, from a time standpoint because of television. Normally that, that that's the last game of the quarterfinal session. It used to begin at 8.30, but... This year it's going to be 8 o'clock. And the Bears will play Valparaiso in the first round. Missouri State clinched third place in the Valley by winning on Friday. They did not win last night. Evansville came back and beat them, I think, 72-63, to 63, I think was the final score, somewhere in that vicinity. And I'm sure that while it doesn't make a difference in the standings, I think it probably does in the Dana Ford mindset of things. They don't go out and lose any game, guys. Any game. I don't care what the situation is. Yeah. But they did. They, they dropped that one. Valparaiso bothers me because they're uh, they're not great, but they also aren't all that bad. They're the kind of team that can really give you trouble. And that's who the Bears will play, 8 o'clock on Friday, and that will complete the quarterfinal round. Semifinals are the next day, Saturday, and the championship game on Sunday. And, of course, as everybody knows, the champion of that tournament is the automatic qualifier into the NCAA. If it's somebody other than Drake or Loyola, then we have an interesting circumstance to, to uh, see. But I do think with, with a little bit of luck, the Bears have some chances to get in the uh, in a tournament. I don't know whether it's going to be the NCAA or not. That's very chancy. NIT also is chancy because the field has been reduced this year from 32 to 16. And the NCAA owns the NIT tournament. So they'll have the, they'll have the invitations out and marked, and they only want the top teams uh, who aren't going to make the big dance into their show. Well, we'll see. You never, you never can tell what's going to happen. Lady Bears, what are your thoughts on, on them as they approach the, the tournament? They are a lock for the NCAA, in my opinion. First of all, they're, they're without question the best team in the Missouri Valley Conference. They are rolling along. They play, as a matter of fact, this evening against Loyola over at the JQH Arena, if I'm not mistaken. This is their final regular season home game. They finish up on the road, I believe. But they're very good. Coach Mox has done a terrific job with this team. They have excellent athletes. They have one thing that Missouri State teams have not had in the past, and that is a big size advantage on the baseline. Now, you don't usually equate that with ladies' sports, but... In the case of the Lady Bears, you do because they are very big and they are very physical, and that's how they'll wear you down. Now, the Lady Bears, I think, would be in the NCAA tournament regardless. That's going to be played in a bubble, as the men's tournament is. The ladies' bubble will be in San Antonio, Texas. The men are in Indianapolis. And you get down to the D2 level, where I think the Drury Lady Panthers have a tremendous opportunity to maybe maybe go to, quote, the very top, end quote. But we'll, we can talk about that later. Well, let's talk about with, right now with Stormy because he's uh, he's our resident Lady Panthers fanatic, shall we say. <laughs> well, they have uh, locked up the GLVC regular season title, and uh, the GLVC tournament starts this Wednesday evening. Lady Panthers will play at home at the O'Reilly Family Event Center. Um, no word on fans yet. Uh, more than likely they will as they have so far this year, skip out on that. 
but uh, they have done excellent. I mean, just to give you an idea, uh, came up a little while back that uh, the four-year seniors that we have right now are playing with a 114-5 and record, and that is that is just wild. And plus, they are the four-time in a row GLVC champions, so a chance here to win it a fifth in a row, and they have an excellent chance of doing so. And with this, number one, they'll be playing at home as long as they keep winning. So they have, they've just had a tremendous season, 16-1. and one. And uh, yesterday, a little bit of a different game because normally Drury has a lot of power off the bench. Yesterday, no points off the bench. Just the starting five were the ones who scored, but still yeah, got a great win yesterday. they ran Quincy out of the ballpark, though. Well, they did. They did. <laughs> but it's, it's normal that we do get quite a bit of good points off of the bench as well. But uh, with this team, it just doesn't seem to matter. They just find a way with the talent they've got to keep on uh, just putting points on the board and eventually just outrunning and outworking the other team. Still Coach Egan has done a very nice job with this team. She took yes. over from Molly Miller when Molly went out to Grand Canyon, but they are kind of mirror images of each other with the coaching philosophy, and that really makes the big difference. Who is the uh, favorite to win the tournament in in the ladies' tournament that the uh, the Panthers would be in? Well, it would have to. Uh, well, are you making reference to the conference? No, I'm the, talking about the, the national the whole tournament. Thing, yeah, it would have to be Lubbock Christian. Yes, Lubbock Christian from Lubbock, Texas, <clears> is the the last team to beat Drury in national competition, and that was in the national semifinals two years ago. Of course, they didn't get that far last year. Nobody did. But this Lubbock Christian team uh, traditionally and annually seems to have a very, very solid outfit, and uh, they're well coached. They know what's going mm-hmm. on. I would think they'd be the biggest challenge. Well, we've and, got our – go ahead. Sorry. Oh, and, and uh, also the men's basketball program over at Drury. At the last time we that I saw and talked to someone, they were in eighth place in the GOVC, which does qualify them for the GOVC tournament. But we had to see how the points came out yesterday, and I haven't gotten word where that sits right now. So at least the Lady Panthers will be moving on for sure. So a lot of local sports for people to uh, get themselves involved in. And that doesn't even mention that the uh, Missouri State Bears baseball team is underway and playing too. And been over to see their first two games. Uh, one was on Friday and the others yesterday. They are playing this afternoon, weather permitting, and I think it's probably going to permit. The Bears are playing Central Arkansas on Friday. Got the big hit, which was a bases-clearing double to come away with the victory in that one. Yesterday they couldn't get the big hits. But how many times are you going to go unbeaten playing in baseball? There's so many games, yeah. <laughs> so many oddities can happen. Yeah. And Central Arkansas did beat them yesterday 5-2. I knew, <laughs> knew the Bears might have a tough time when in the first inning they loaded the bases against Central Arkansas with nobody out mm. and did not score. That usually doesn't resonate very well, and it didn't yesterday. Three and one start, so they'll be playing uh, again today, this afternoon, over at Hammonds Field. So if you feel like getting out, I guess you can go out and enjoy that. Exactly. We'll have a roundtable discussion in just a minute. If you want to get involved, the number is eight six three seven one zero four. You're listening to Ned Talk. Back to Ned Talk on one hundred four point seven, The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Watching a little baseball as we set in the studio today. Cardinals over the Nats. one nothing. If you want to listen to that game, you could do that on our sister station, The Bull, right after we're done. But wait, please. <laughs> we don't want you to go away just yet. Stay with us. You can always download our show as a podcast. You can do that through our website, or you can do that through the Cave app. I know a lot of people do download the show as a podcast. 
Ned, uh, we start out the show today talking about Tiger Woods, his car accident. Um, he's lucky to walk away from it. His career is kind of secondary, of course, to just his overall health. But that's something that, of course, everybody thinks about. But let's talk a little bit about some athletes who've had their careers or their even their lives cut short. Who's Who comes to mind when you... When you think about that. Well, the very topic. first one that resonates, of course, is, is probably the most renowned of all of them, if you can use that in, in this kind of a, a categorization. But that's the Iron Horse, Lou Gehrig. Yeah. When he came down with ALS. Now, he was probably on the downside of his career. He was 36 years old. But he, he was a big, physical, strapping individual, very conditioned, could still hit home runs, could still hit. And his... Buddy Babe Ruth had already retired and moved on. But there's Lou, who's the heart of the New York Yankees, the spirit of them, and he comes down with this body-wasting disease that eventually cost him his life two years later. That That is one, gosh, the episode involving Roy Campanella yep. in, in 1958. It was in January. It wasn't during the season, but it ended his career. He was paralyzed from that uh, motor accident that he had on a slippery highway in Long Island, and I don't think there was any compromising of his driving. He just simply skidded and was involved in a collision that cost him his mobility. And Roy lived until the early 1990s uh, and died out in Los Angeles. But there have been others uh, on the field accidents. I think another one about that time that also happened, this great big prize left-hander of the Cleveland Indians, a guy named Herb Score. Great pitcher. He had already won the American League Rookie of the Year. He was the American League leader in strikeouts. Pitching on a night against the New York Yankees, and I believe it was 1958, if I'm not mistaken, 58 or 57. Uh, and he's a big crowd, of course. Cleveland and the Yankees, big rivalry. And score was American League All-Star, two-time, young, good-looking guy. Gil McDougald, batting for the New York Yankees, had a line drive that smacked score right in the right in the eye. Uh, he knocked him out for the rest of the season. Of course, McDonald or McDougald wanted to quit baseball, and he said, "No, no, 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 no," and finally got talked out of that. Score did come back. He did come back to play. Came back to pitch. Was not quite the same pitcher that he was. As a matter of fact, he finally left the game with a rotator cuff injury that many thought may have been the result of his changing his motion in a way to guard against any other line drives. He said no. He said the rotator cuff injury occurred because he had a pulled tendon in his arm and he tried to change it. But whatever the case, a score went on to the broadcasting career and uh, he eventually passed on here a few years ago. Another one's Tony Canigliaro of yep. the Boston Red Sox. My gosh, here's a guy in the mid-60s who was the conquering hero in Boston. He's from Boston, from that area. And he, in 1967, he'd already been already won an American League home run championship the year before. And here he is, part of that magic Red Sox team that was going to go on to play the Cardinals in the World Series. Canigliaro and Yastrzemski and Rico Petroselli and all these people. He got hit, he being Canigliaro, hit in the eye. Uh, on a pitch by Jack Hamilton, former resident of Hollister, Missouri. And indeed, while it did not end his career, he came back. Canigliaro came back and year and a half, two years later, did have started to uh, hit some home runs, but he never quite reached that edge again 
and he did succumb to a heart attack and a stroke a number of years ago. There have been other instances uh, on the football side. I'll play a little game with you. Okay. A, guy, a guy named Vincent Jackson had his career cut short. Bo? Bo Jackson. Yeah. That's, everybody knows him by Bo. Well, he's Vince Jackson. Vincent Bo Jackson, uh, the, the Oakland Raiders, Kansas City Royals. Here is a guy who could have done so much and did so much mm-hmm. when he was healthy who played after he had a hip replacement. Now, who does that? <laughs> who, who can possibly do Bo that? And Bo knows, and Bo does. Well, still, though, he was never quite the same after uh, the, the football accident. And it was more or less an accident because it was a routine tackle, or at least it appeared to be. But he had the muscle sheath ripped away from his hip, and that really did cost him. There have been others as well, but I think those really resonate more than anybody. The one that uh, sticks out most in my mind, Thurman Munson, because uh, I'm a huge Yankee fan, and uh, he, he was one of my favorite players growing up as a kid. Off day um, in Ohio, he had taken up flying, and he and some friends went up flying. And, and just recently, in the past few years, we found out that he his friends went back to try to save him. He was still alive, and he knew that he was going to die, and he he told them to go on, that he would be all right. And I think that Thurman Munson was probably on the downhill side of his career, and he had not played that long. He'd only played about eight or nine seasons, but he caught, and he was a tough guy. And uh, when he played, he played all out, and uh, the, the type of guy and the impact that it had on the Yankee franchise. I mean, his locker is still intact at Yankee Stadium. They moved it from the old Yankee Stadium to the new Yankee Stadium. They left it as it was, and the night that they were supposed to play, the Yankees played at home, uh, nobody came out to play the catcher's position initially when the game started. And think how hard that was. Now, let me ask you a trivia question. Do you know who the catcher was that the Yankees signed to replace? To replace Thurman Munson? Yes, do you? I do not know. Rick Cerrone. Boy, there's a name from, or a, a non-luminous <laughs> yeah. name from the past. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Rick Cerrone certainly was not was not a thorough Munson. Lyman Bostock is another guy that comes to mind. He, Bostock, and Bostock, yeah, and he's a guy that uh, not not a lot of people know. I mean, he was he he signed a big contract. He looked like he was on the uh, uphill slide side. You and I talk about this a lot, and a lot of people don't remember the old Sporting News magazine. But there was an issue of Sporting News magazine with Lyman Bostock on the cover. And he is wearing sunglasses that had dollar signs mm-hmm. painted on them because he'd just gotten a huge contract, and he was uh, shot to death in uh, on an off day. And it was apparently, a shocking thing. The thing about it was, too, was apparently a mistake. Yes. Here's a guy with the Minnesota Twins who was really coming on. He was going to be a big star. Yeah. Already was a star. And somebody mistook him for somebody else. Uh, they were with a female of some sort. They, they, the story that I've heard over the years is that he had gone to a house to meet some friends, and this woman was at the house, and she wanted to ride somewhere. And he said, sure, you can ride with us. And she got in the car, and her husband was very jealous, thought that she was cheating on him. And he was actually trying to shoot his his wife, but he ended up killing Lyman Bostock instead. So, gosh, what a just yeah, just a, a real tragic mm. story. Daryl Stingley's another 
a guy that is his career ended on the field in, in the NFL. With Jack Tatum, yeah. absolutely. And here's Tatum, who was nicknamed the Assassin. And it wasn't his fault. They were, it was a perfectly clean hit. But here's Stingley, a one-time All-America at Purdue, running a crossing pattern over the middle with the New England Patriots. And uh, <laughs> the Assassin, Jack Tatum, laid him out, but he also paralyzed him in doing that, too. Yep. But it was a clean play, and Tatum... Later, I know, felt bad about doing that. Stingley's no longer living. He passed away, I think, about uh, six or seven years ago, somewhere around there. But, yeah, another career that's been cut short. Anything can happen in the field of, of uh, athletics. Uh, Ray Fossey, another uh, and, and career cut short by his friend. Changed. Too. Changed. Yep. His career did change. Because Fossey did come back to play. But when Pete Rose barreled him over in the All-Star, in the game. All-Star game, yeah, he was he was shaken up. And he was shaken up for quite a while after that, after the season had completed. It, he never really regained his equilibrium after that. And I think more recently, John Carlos Stanton, when you look at him, he pulls off the ball quite a bit. He got hit in the face, I think, three years ago. It was with the, I want to say the Miami Marlins is yeah. when he was there. He was hit in the face. And uh, you could tell, watching. Watching him, he still pulls off the ball. Just He's a little bit. Still, still afraid. But, but in his case, though, you've got to give him the uh, the benefit of the doubt because he can still hit. Not have oh, him yeah. on my team anyway. I've never <laughs> seen a guy who can who can pull off the ball as much as he does and still hit one out. Stormy, anybody come to mind for you? Oh my goodness, uh, this one actually brings up an awful lot of laundry list from my old second family and 23 years behind the scenes in pro wrestling i can give you just a huge number of these guys and what no matter what you think of the industry these are still these are still athletes and professional yep. athlete quality um but i'll tell you two of the ones that stand out in my mind i'll give you three one of them of course Payne stewart yep. uh local guy uh then you think about the eliminator uh, the intimidator dale earnhardt that struck the country yep. huge uh like almost no other racing death had yes and then uh, one that happened here in Missouri from that second family I was talking about, Owen Hart, right up in Kansas City, Missouri, uh, stunt during a pay-per-view, coming down from the ceiling, and the rigging gave way, and he uh, came down and crashed into the ring and uh, lost his life that way. I mean, and it's sad that any sport uh, has to go through this, but um, it's it's just a tragedy to lose these people at such young ages and with such promises in their career. And I, like I said... Just and these, I can tell you from this one, people I knew personally of people who, for one reason or another, in an accident who lived like Magnum, or people who just like the Von Erich family. It was just one tragedy after another. I mean, it, it's just really sad when this happens. And uh, again, all our best to Tiger Woods and his and his recovery. One more for you, Ned. Hank gathers. There is one that I witnessed. Now, not in person. I happened to be watching the game on TV. It was a is it West Coast Conference or the Western Athletic Conference. I've forgotten which it was, but Loyola Marymount. And Loyola Marymount had a storied team back then under Paul Westhead. They did not play any defense, no defense at all. It was all offense, and Hank Gathers and Bo Kimball were the stars of the team, both Philadelphia guys, and they had gone out to Loyola Marymount to play. And here's Gathers. Oh, gosh. Out on the court, he's one of the nation's leading scorers, already tallied something like 25 points in this game, and suddenly he just collapsed, just fell on the floor and went into spasms, and nobody knew what to do. Well, it was obvious he was having an episode out there, and he never regained consciousness. He had he had a cardiac episode, and this is a guy who is a conditioned athlete, what, 6'8", six, 6'9", six, somewhere around there, and probably 2'10", 2'15", 
just a marvelous physical specimen, a tremendous basketball player, and yet you don't equate that with the cardiac seizure that he had. They do think drugs were involved in that particular incident, and that did cripple the Boston Red Sox for several years, no, no, you're, Boston Celtics. You're thinking of Len Bias. Len Bias. Len okay, Bias. I'm sorry. That's, that's right, not Lynn to Bias. Gathers. No, Gathers Gathers did not have any substance. His was... It was Len Bias. I'm sorry. Yeah, Bias, Bias had the cocaine uh, and perhaps some other elements too. But in the case of Gathers, no, his was... His was probably Marfan syndrome, which yes. is a narrowing of the of the uh, heart vessel. That I, I am not going to go into the technical aspect of it, but it's a it's a congenital problem. We will uh, come back and recap the show, kind of get Stormy's thoughts on the Super Bowl. You're listening to Ned Talk, Water Four Point Seven, The Cave. Back to Ned Talk on One Hundred Four Point Seven, The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. 3-1 Natinals over the Cardinals right now, but who cares? They're playing baseball. It's warm. The boys of summer are in spring mode. Very exciting. Don't say that. That rankles me, and I'll tell you why. The boys of summer is a specific group. The Dodgers. The Dodgers of the 40s and 50s. Roy Campanella was one yep. of the boys of summer. It is not a oh, generic term for all baseball. Don't be rankled. It's just the name of a book, but they're all the boys of summer when they go out there to play. <laughs> it's tradition. It's poetic. It's baseball. So we just love it. Ned's got to be, you You just have to be that way, don't you? A curmudgeon? Yes, <laughs> I do. He's good you at it. To, you need to stop it. No. What can no. we do, to, what, what can we do to help you not be a curmudgeon There anymore? is a right and there's a wrong, <laughs> and that's wrong. They're all the boys of summer. He's been doing that for 30 yeah. years. Come on. Yeah. All right, Stormy. We talked to everybody last oh. week about the Super Bowl. Let's get your thoughts real quickly. What, uh, what, you know? Well, I'm kind of glad you waited because I'm not sure what kind of extra expletives I would have I would have thrown in there because I was I was not a happy camper and a little bit surprised my neighbors didn't call me on some of the noise. But uh, no, I w- I'll admit, just absolutely shocked at the uh, play and the outcome of it. Um, I was not expecting that kind of a forced to come at us at all Uh, i was not expecting their defense to play like they did at all um it it just seemed like the only the only time i really have a specific play is that uh uh, interception that got called back right there in the second quarter um i thought okay here here's a great turning point play that can inspire the team that can go all this and we get a very very late flag um, I'm not going to go into the whole referee thing. It's just I'm not going to do it. Um, I've gotten over that part of it. The game's done, and we are still one of the best teams in the NFL. So I'm uh, proud of the team for getting as far as they did. I mean, you got you got to the Super Bowl. Um, that is saying something no matter what the outcome. And uh, what happens this se- this coming season and what happens in the uh, – when they all report to camps and stuff. So, I mean, I, I'm I'm going to try to – Get out the anger and, and and try to look look for the sunshine on the horizon. Pass along congratulations to Patrick Mahomes and his girlfriend, oh, uh, yes. Sterling Sky. They welcomed her into the world. I heard a funny story. Um, I don't know. I don't remember where I even heard this at, but somebody was absolutely convinced and had told uh, somebody. It's a hearsay story Go. that uh, Patrick Mahomes and his girlfriend got married in a uh, like an RV outside of the Super Bowl. <laughs> 
Eight, oh yeah, it happened. It happened. They put, they gave, they flew her in. They got in the RV. They got <sighs> married. That's part of the reason why he was distracted. I heard that story from somebody. So, R U B B I S H. What's that spell? Rubbish. <laughs> that, that's not the case at all. No, I'll tell you what. What did happen to them? Uh, Mahomes, with the fact that uh, he no had production. no offensive line in front of him, they 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 played like a sieve. Mm. Ole, watch out, Patrick. And he's running for his life 497 yards in retreating against a Tampa Bay defense that has some old pros on there, like in Dominican Sue and people of this caliber who knew exactly what to do, exactly their defensive game plan. They made it work against the Green Bay Packers, made it work against the Kansas City Chiefs, and the Chiefs' O-line was awful. And they something you did bring up uh, a couple weeks before the game, with those old veteran grizzled players who once in a while pull a stunt like that and they know exactly what's going on in the field and do just like he did. The so Washington you, you Redskins over the Hill Gang, although they did not win their game in the Super Bowl against the Miami Dolphins, mm-hmm. lost 14-7. to But still, this was very similar circumstance. Yeah. we got Tom Brady at 43 years old, Gronkowski, Sue, who we talked about. There are several others on that Tampa Bay team. Can they repeat? I think that's a stretch, a real stretch, because there are some young and up-and-coming teams, case in point, Buffalo Bills and Cleveland Browns. Yep. Watch out for them. That's where the Chiefs have to worry. Final thought. What are you going to go home and watch? Today? Yeah. I'm not going to watch anything. I'm going home and write. What are you going to write? I have some writing to do for the magazine that we put out. Oh, well, Ned, he's, you know, I always say that you're a... Uh, renaissance man because no, no. <laughs> you were born in the renaissance weren't you that's exactly <laughs> there you go stormy i'm gonna listen to the st louis cardinals play ball over on their sister station and uh start doing some work as our semi-pro football team here in springfield kicks off their season on april 10th here in town so that's right you can tune over officially now and listen to the st louis cardinals spring training on their new home our sister station the bull but Hang out for Classic Rock, too, if you feel like it. Ned, I'll see you next Sunday. Stormy, see you in a couple weeks. Ned Talk, morning 4.7 The Cave. Thanks to Scott Meyer, Corbin Campbell, Mike the Intern, and Nick Fury. We'll see you guys next Sunday. Listen to us as a podcast.